Hello and thank you for joining us for our Pulse and Foursquare podcast. My name is Pastor Greg Perkins and I appreciate you tuning us in today that God may speak to you through his word and the Holy Spirit may minister to you through the messages that are brought forth, that you'll be blessed and we pray that you will continue to listen to our podcast and we pray that you would have a blessed day. God bless you all. Well, thank everyone for those words today. Thanks for the... um, Thanks that I... I just love it when the church is paying attention to what God is saying to you and and being so bold to come up and share about that because I, I love that. God speaks through his people, his church, and that is who you are. Um, as I began this uh, new year, uh, we started talking about unity, unity of the spirit. And from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, the theme verse for the year is making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And it really does take effort to create unity, right? To have unity within the body of Christ. And I love that on Wednesday nights that we're gathering with uh, a number of other churches. We'll be here on on the 2nd of March again. But this week it will be down in St. Ignatius, if you want to drive down to St. Ignatius. It's been just a a wonderful extended time of worship and just powerful, powerful time uh, that I encourage you to come together with the Church of the Flathead Reservation, really. It's a a combination of a number of churches, uh, individual churches that are gathering as one church of Jesus Christ. And that's what we are called to be. In unity of spirit, because that's where God can move in this area in which we live. When the church uh, loves one another and worships together and supports one another in, in the mission that we are all called to, for the kingdom of God. And really the whole message of 1 Corinthians, when we started this book a few weeks back, that... The whole message of the church that Paul was writing to was not a very unified church. It was actually kind of out there. (laughs) It was a group of people that uh, were caught in a little bit of the carnality of the world. And also they were now experiencing the Holy Spirit and they were just messed up. (laughs) So he was actually trying to bring them into like, hey guys, let's... Let's have a talk. Let's talk about this, what you guys are doing, because you need a lot of help. And and so this is basically what he's doing um, in this. And we're in chapter 2 now, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I'm just going to, I read the first part of this um, a couple weeks ago, since we have a guest last week. And I'm just going to read through the the. 16 verses of this chapter together to get an understanding of what Paul is saying. Verse 1, it says, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come in eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise or persuasive words, but it was a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith may not rest on men's wisdom, but God's power. That's a good verse to, a couple verses, verse four and five to remember that. That whenever we speak the word of God, it wouldn't be just about us, but about what Paul said there, the Spirit. And so in verse six, it says, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God designed for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived, What God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. And the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. 
For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truth in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgment about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. God, I ask that we may grow in wisdom from this. Lord, you t- it talks about what, what Paul is writing is about not just man's wisdom, but having understanding of the deep things of the Spirit of God. And I pray that you give us new revelation and wisdom and understanding to those deep things of your Holy Spirit. Open our eyes and our ears that we may see and hear from you today in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, Paul was wanting this church to come to a deeper understanding of these spiritual truths, these spiritual revelation and wisdom from God. That, would you say since you first believed, if you, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, that you have grown in your faith through the years, that you have a deeper understanding now than when you first you know, said yes to Jesus, that you're like, wow, I remember, I didn't understand anything, or... Or the fact that when you first said yes to Jesus, it's just like the blinders came off. Now you finally understood the word. And you're like, oh, wow, I can understand things I could not understand before until the Holy Spirit came into you. Until the Holy Spirit deposited within you. When you receive Christ, his Holy Spirit dwells within you. And your eyes are open. Where you were once dead and your trespasses now you're blind, you were blind, you were in darkness, now you can see. And you're just like, whoa, that makes sense now. It was like a secret or a hidden wisdom that now has been revealed, as Paul was writing. And not all can understand it because they, it is spiritually discerned. And what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? I kind of want to talk about that today. What does it mean to, to live and walk by the Spirit and to have a wisdom and a revelation from God. It's something I'm always striving for more. God, I want to be able to see more. I want to be able to understand you more. Um, I'm always kind of thinking of Elisha when he prayed for a servant. If you know the story of Elisha praying for a servant because they were surrounded, he, the servant was really scared at the time and saying, we're surrounded by the enemy. We're going to die. And he goes, we're okay. There's more for us than there are against us. And, and he goes, oh, and he just began to pray over his servant, and then all of a sudden he saw in the spirit realm, oh, and he saw the heavenly chariots of fire around the camp, and he was just like, wow, I can see it now. Have you ever desired something like that? I want to see in the spirit realm. I want to have an understanding of, of God and, and even the angelic host. Yes, there are demonic forces in this world. But sometimes we put more emphasis in the demonic and the, and the things that are negative and the, the fear and the, the attacks of Satan, that I'm under attack of Satan. I'm like, well, what are you going to do about that? What are you going to do about it? You know, we're always going to be under attack from enemy because he's always trying to kill, steal, and destroy. We're no exception to that rule. But we have the power of God within us. You have the power of God, and, and, and this is what I think Paul was trying to say. I want you to know more of who God is. Have a wisdom and an understanding that the world cannot understand. And when Joe and I were raising kids, or we first having children, uh, it was a learning process, for sure. Uh, we didn't know what we didn't know. We... we uh, <laughs> We did take some parenting classes. How many of you in the days maybe took uh, Growing Kids God's Way? Anyone did that? 
No one? I, I think we still have one up in the closet upstairs in the church if you want to watch it. Uh, I think it's in the early 90s. Um, but um, we learned some good stuff. You know, we learned how to uh, help teach our parents or teach us as parents. It's not teaching your children, it's teaching parents. <laughs> because it took a, we took a couple parenting classes, read some books, but in many ways we had to just learn by the school of hard knocks, by experience, right? And talking with our parents or talking with other parents, experienced people, and glean from them and say, please help me. Uh, what do I need to do? Children are often reflection of what they see modeled to them. You can't just blame their, your children for their bad behaviors. Uh, children are sent home, you know, with their first-time parents, and they don't send them home with an owner's manual. Like, I think people know more about, uh, you know, get more information on a new appliance or a car than they do on parenting, you know, with an owner's manual. Uh, but I would say, you know, some people would say, well, it's just common sense. They should just have common sense. And I said, well, common sense isn't so common today anymore, <laughs> right? And wisdom in parenting or anything else doesn't just come because you get older. There's still plenty of old people, older people that are not mature. They're just older. <laughs> right? Uh, because they never have grown up. They've never acted their age, so to speak. They've never wanted to grow up. I see some people, you know, in my high school, um, former high school uh, people I went to, peers and students I went to school with, and they're still doing the same stuff. I'm like, that was 36 years ago. Come on, people. You're still, you're still messing around. And today, I just want to speak to you about how God is calling us to a, a, a deeper wisdom to grow up in our understanding, a spiritual wisdom and understanding. He calls it, we can stay immature. And, and actually, you can read in other places of the New Testament where it says, by now you should be teaching, but still you're immature. And, and some of us just like to be spoon-fed. I mean, I like it too, you know, come on. You know, I just spoon-fed. But I want to teach people to be self-fed by the Holy Spirit. And, and that's why, again, I just commend all of you that come up and say, I have a word to share. I'm like, that's how you grow. That's how you step out and stepping out in faith. And I, I love that because it's not just about my sermon. I, I might have had a bad sermon today. Oh, I'm... I'm, I'm ruined for the next month or so. <laughs> it's just like, you know, it's not just about me. I, I, I know I mess up a lot. So it's just like, what is God speaking to you? Do you ever have someone challenge you with that? What is God speaking to you? And you better have an answer. He's <laughs> just like, oh, no. I have, that, I have those people in my life that they might ask me, you know, what has God been speaking to you about lately? Or what good book are you reading? I'm like, Oh man! Oh, yeah. I I read I read the Bible today. Uh, well, it's just like, what did he say to you? What did the Holy Spirit say to you? Because that is what this is getting at, deeper than just get gaining head knowledge. What is God revealing to you? Um. And that's what Paul was trying to get at. And so a lot of his writings, a lot of his epistles to the Ephesians and to the Colossians and to those he's saying, I pray that you may come to a deeper understanding of who you are as believers. Having this spiritual wisdom is something that you can never get too much of. It says in Proverbs 9 verse 9, instruct a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will add to his learning. There's always a need to grow and to gain wisdom. You're never too old to learn, which is, a, which is saying there's always something. We should always remain teachable, always remain saying, God, I, there's something more that you want to reveal to me, and be continual learning throughout your whole lives. The prophet Hosea said, my people are destroyed for what? Lack of knowledge. 
You know, the people in, in Hosea's day, they, there was this rebuke over them saying, you're not growing. And if you don't, uh, if you don't pursue uh, more growth, you will be destroyed. If you don't pursue wisdom and knowledge, you will fade away. You will fall away. And we see that even in our own day when people are getting away from the word of God and shying away from this, that you see how a breakdown in society and morality and everything else, a lawlessness starts to take a place in our world. So therefore, lack of knowledge, they were perishing, and it was the leader's responsibility to teach them, and they weren't in Israel. So how teachable are you? Are you a teachable person? Would you say, yeah, I'm very teachable? Um, are there still areas in your life that you need growth? Um, or to know more about God? Are there still some things you need to learn and... Uh, Hopefully we can all agree I still have some room for growth. The older I get, the more I realize I don't know anything and I have a lot of room for growth, right? <laughs> then I have to ask myself, what am I actively doing to help myself to do that? To grow in wisdom, to grow in revelation of who God is. And sometimes it's just simply praying and asking the Lord, God, will you reveal more to me? Will you reveal more to me today? Will you speak to me? May I have ears to hear what you are saying. May you show me something that I can, I can take and, and hold on to and chew on today. What do you want to actively do in my life that I may gain more wisdom and understanding? Not just so I can have an inflated head. Oh, I got more, you know, and more. It's just because God wants to give you more. His ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. But there's also ways that you can grow into his ways so that you can continue to learn. And uh, Not that we set ourselves above, above each other. That just like, well, I know more than you do. And I don't want you to think that, you know, because I have a pastor license that I'm any more qualified or better than you. He gets into that later on about the, the places of leadership and, and so on. And we're all part of the same body. We all need, you know, the mouth can't say to the hand, I don't need you. We all need one another. There's roles, but there's also each one is equally important. Now, the Greeks of this time were really big on getting education and knowledge Gnosticism was, um, and still is, it's a, it's a belief in some places that teaches that having knowledge is the greatest importance to be close to this supreme deity. Not deity as we understand Jehovah God or Jesus, but the supreme deity, if you just get more knowledge, then you will be closer to this deity. And so they sought knowledge, but these people could not see who Jesus was, and they missed him. They missed it. They considered the message of the cross, as we read earlier in chapter 1, uh, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us, it is the power of God. I'm not knocking having education either. I, I think there's uh, importance with education, studying and learning and applying that um, for different works, you know, I've studied, I went to Bible college, I've studied this too, and I think there's extreme, extreme value in that. Uh, but it cannot entirely bring revelation and experience with the Holy Spirit. There's plenty of people, and I've met them throughout my experience, of people that have lots of education, have, you know, master's degrees and PhDs, and they are not any closer to God. In fact, they almost have become less closer to God because of this education. Because it became so much about their own knowledge that they missed the Holy Spirit in the process. And that's something I, I said, God, I don't ever want 
in taking more studies or graduate studies that I ever lose my sensitivity to your Holy Spirit because I get so inflated in my own head. Does that make sense? I would rather, but experience is so important. Experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit, that's, I desire that more than even just head knowledge. Now, I often say I would rather go to someone who is not just educated but has experience. I like going to a doctor that has knowledge and experience. I like going to a mechanic that has not just fresh out of the mechanic school but has experience, you know, with these things. And that's why, you know, many of you know that I serve on the ambulance at least one day a week. I do that. And I had to learn to do my first IVs. I never told them they were my first patient. No way. <laughs> no way. <laughs> it's like, hey, I'm going to do an IV on you, and you are number one. <laughs> no. No, I did not do that. Um, but I'm also a firm believer that you need to start somewhere, right? You got to start somewhere. Um, especially young people and giving them a chance. And I, I love believing in young people. Uh, so where do you begin? Where do you begin? Spiritual wisdom is birthed in faith. It always is birthed in, in faith. you got to have faith. Uh, stepping out. So you have to... Um, spiritual wisdom and revelation, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you receive him as your Savior, when you ask for his forgiveness, invite him into your life. That's where it begins, with salvation. Otherwise, we are darkened in our sin. We cannot understand the spiritual things of God because the Spirit of God is not in you. That's why non-Christians do non-Christian things. Is that, is that a revelation for some of you that's why non-christians do non-christian things and sometimes i would get mad at non-believers for doing non-christian things i'm like why do i do that if you ever get upset with people of the world for doing worldly things it's it's because they don't believe or know who god is or they have not received him and the Spirit of God doesn't live within them. They might have, a, again, a knowledge about God. And it's not just saying, I believe there is a higher power or a, a knowledge of God. It's not that. If you read, even in, as we will one day stand before God, and those who think they knew God, he will say, depart from me, for I never knew you. I never knew you. You might think you have a knowledge of God, but does he know you? In Matthew 5.8, I'm reminded, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And that can only come with the purification that he does in you. Not because of your own pureness or your own holiness. It's only by God's grace and his forgiveness. You cannot perceive the things of the Holy Spirit without first having received the Spirit of God in you. It also comes... Uh, with the importance of being baptized with the Holy Spirit, saying, God, I want more. Baptize me with fire, as John the Baptist said. Jesus would come to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, to open yourself up to a new dimension of the Spirit of God and walking in that revelation and that wisdom from God. Now, over the years, I've spoken with with scholars that have studied the Bible, that know the Scriptures, know the history, even teach who are not Christians. There's professors in universities that study the Bible as a, you know, a historical book. Um, they have a head knowledge of the Bible, but they don't have a spiritual wisdom and revelation of its absolute truth and its power within it. Their wisdom is lacking and is still darkened by their unregenerate spirit. Or the Bible to would call them dead in their trespasses. And again, dead people don't think. They don't do anything. <laughs> That's why non-Christians do non-Christian things, right? Uh, that's, 
you know, that's why many of them consider the message of the cross as foolishness. It's foolishness. It's just fairy tales. And I've talked to people like that. They just, that's not real. It's just a, it's just a fairy tale book. Um, they think it's a joke and that we believe in an unseen God, that we believe in Jesus Christ and who came in the flesh and died on the cross for our sins and gives eternal and abundant life. I believe it. The good news is that the mystery or the things that have been hidden have now been revealed, have been disclosed. Paul spoke of this very thing to the church in Colossae and the church of Ephesus. And Paul said this in Colossians chapter 1, uh, 25. It says, To the present, the word of God to them in its fullness, to the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It has now been disclosed to you. But it's not a one and done thing. I'm not saying it's just like now you got it all. You have it all available to you. It's now disclosed in a sense that it's available if you want more. But you can't just like, well, I... It said, I know everything now. Not exactly. It's a process of walking in that disclosure. Spiritual wisdom and truth and revelation cannot just come more by more knowledge through reading or just studying more books uh, or getting a doctorate of divinity. Or Spiritual wisdom can only be birthed in faith. I put my faith in Jesus. He's now opened my eyes that I can see. He's given me that open invitation, that door now that I have to now walk through and learn more of who he is. To, be, to know the Holy Spirit and then faithfully walking and learning as I practice and experience being led by the Holy Spirit. And a lot of Christians are still, as these Corinthians were, carnal Christians. They were still walking in carnality. They are still walking in some of their old Gnosticism and he was going, I want to try to re, oh, I, don't, I, I, want you to, I want to help you come to a spiritual understanding because you're still caught in a lot of these worldly thinking. That's, that's the ways of your flesh, and now I'm calling you to walk in the Spirit as he, as he talked more to the Galatian church, Galatians chapter 5, you can read that as well. Spiritual wisdom, truth, and revelation cannot just come through trying to get more knowledge, although there is um, some of that. I'm, I'm seeking, I'm looking, I'm wanting more, and so it may be more study. But just having a head knowledge is not going to give you complete spiritual wisdom and revelation. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul prayed for this church that they may, God would give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation. If you want to turn there, read a couple of verses as well. He said this, I keep asking, in verse 17, that the God of our Father, God of our Lord Jesus Christ and the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. In verse 19, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. It goes on, and, and there's a lot of good stuff there too. But uh, as any pastor should pray for his people, for his, his church, Paul's prayer was that the Father would give them this wisdom and revelation and so that they may know the hope to which they were called, the riches of God's glorious inheritance and this incomparable great power. This power, dynamis, or uh, in Greek, it actually means miraculous or the supernatural power that the Holy Spirit can give you. For those who believe, clearly this seems to be a major point, but Paul prayed this for these believers of this Ephesians church, and I believe 
it's really intertwined with what he was also saying to the Corinthians as well. He's praying that they would come to this supernatural knowledge of God. This incomparable and exceedingly great power to you who believe. Do you desire that? Is that something that you want? It's something I'm always eager to say. Um, and Paul would even say later on to the Corinthians, eagerly desire the greater gifts. Eagerly desire that. Seek after that. Um, and they were desirous, but again, they were also not handling it correctly. They were not handling the gifts of the Holy Spirit, as we would later find out in this, this letter, that they were doing everything but without the one most important thing, and that was what? Your resounding gong or your clanging cymbal, if you don't have love, right? They, they lacked love. This incomparably power, uh, and it really starts with that being loved by God, experiencing his love, and as I experience his love and his transformation in my life, I can then demonstrate that. I can start showing it to other people. It's not just that we sometimes take the commands of God and, and it's almost like a do list, a checklist. I need to go and do this. I need to be more loving. I need to go do all this stuff. And it's like, if you walk in the Spirit, love will be an automatic fruit that is developed in you. It's then it not becoming a do list. It's a done list. It's like him doing it through you. He changes you. And that's where religion gets it wrong. When we try to tell people what you need to do first in order to get close to God. And God's saying, come to me so that I may fill you with the Spirit. And then I would empower you with my Spirit. So people would see me in you. Does that make sense? Many Christians don't understand this miraculous power and only know God from a, a distance, so to speak. But God wants to reveal wisdom and revelation and his power, this dynamous power, and it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. We just read that in that passage in First Corinthians or Ephesians 1. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives within you. And he describes that. So for any believer and leader alike, there never needs to be a power shortage in our life. As his resurrection power is always available, it's never limited. And Paul praised God and spoke how God had chosen and blessed his, us as his children and wants to give us more if we want more. If you'd like to receive more wisdom and revelation and, and that guidance of the Holy Spirit uh, to help you make some important decisions in your life, perhaps, if so, Paul's prayer to that at Ephesians church in that verse 17, you could just pray that prayer out. You know, I pray, Father, that you may give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that I may know you better. That's a great prayer. Pray that every day if you have to. And the word wisdom in, that, in this verse and also in 1 Corinthians 2 is from the Greek word sophias. Uh, an old Greek word that was used to describe insight or wisdom that is not naturally attained, uh, a spiritual wisdom. It's, um, it's not human. It's special insight given by the Holy Spirit. Revelation is where God uh, illuminates something to our understanding that we did not understand before. That revelation, you're just like the light bulb turned on. You know, you get that revelation, you're like, oh, yeah, I get that. That's what revelation, it means. If we're facing, you know, he shows you something brand new or we're facing a problem and he shows you the solution or, or you're reading a scripture and you're just like, Bing, you know, just like revelation. I had a revelation. Um, sometimes we kind of throw out these words in church and we're just like, we don't even know what they mean sometimes. But the word revelation is from the word Greek word let me try to say this, apocalypsis, apocalypsis, yeah. <clears throat> and it refers to something that has been veiled or something that has been hidden for a long time and then suddenly 
almost instantly becomes clear and visible to our mind or our eye. So it's like that pulling the light bulb or pulling the curtains away and seeing something you couldn't see before. Uh, secondly, spiritual wisdom comes from godly encounters. Um, godly encounters, we need to have an encounter with the presence of God. I need that. I need an encounter with the presence of God in order to have revelation and understanding. How do you encounter God? How You can have an encounter at God pretty much anywhere. At church, at home, driving your car, in the shower, um, wherever and whenever. And it can be while reading your Bible, while praying, while worshiping. Some people have God dreams, you know. They remember their dreams and it's just, you know, I believe... I can encounter God more when I also desire and I seek after him more. Lord, I, I desire you. I, when I hunger and I desire for more of his presence, I give him that invitation that he will speak. He will show up. He will fill you with his spirit. And at different times, he will reveal these hidden truths and the Holy Spirit will give you this revelation can you think of times when you just suddenly saw things that you didn't see before? Just like that, that light bulb, that spiritual revelation that has now been revealed, that was hidden. And why didn't, it, didn't you see it before? Because I believe God does things in certain times as well. There's certain times that I might have read the same passage once before or many times before, and all of a sudden this one, this day, for some reason, bing! You know, just like that was God's little Holy Spirit encounter that you had there. The fact is that truths remain hidden until God chooses to reveal them to us. And that phrase uh, where Paul prayed to give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that phrase to give is the Greek word didomai, which means to hand something over completely to someone else. I am now handing this over to you. I am giving this to you, this, this nugget of truth or whatever, that you now, I want to show you something more. It's just like the fun and the joy of, of teaching someone something, and they get it. You know, if you've ever taught someone or teaching your kids something and they finally get it, you're just like, yes, riding the bike for the first time without training wheels, yeah, you're finally getting it. Just like, yeah, it's fun to watch that. When they finally not only get it, but they do it without being told about chores, you know, things like that. You're just like, yes, <laughs> they, they're getting it. Um, but all you have to do is ask for more wisdom and revelation. Spiritual wisdom is also gleaned from godly influencers. Is that an influencers, not influenza, but influencers, um, maybe I could have worded it differently, but <laughs> uh, if you want to dream big dreams, hang around dreamers. If you want to know what it is to be a godly man or woman, hang around someone that has demonstrated that in their life, that you look for people that can be a mentor to you, and a lot of times in my life, I've never had someone come to me and say, Greg, I want to mentor you. But usually when they're doing that, it's like, you got a lot of problems, and, I, and you need a lot of help. And, and I'm like, I know, I know. But, <laughs> but at the same time, it's, I've had people do that, and, and, and it's never been done out of love. Rather, more mentors and accountability partners, and we teach this even in CR Celebrate Recovery on Sunday nights, is that if you want an accountability partner, it's got to be first and starting in you. You go to that person and you say, I really want to glean from you. I really want to learn from you. Will you help mentor me? The guy we had last week, Rod, Pastor Rod from Great Falls, there some years back, I asked him to help me. Will you help me? Will you mentor me in some way? Because I, I need some more godly men in my life. And, and uh, you know, it could be someone older. It usually is someone older, but he can even be someone younger than you. 
Get around someone who is. Because without vision, people perish. You need to be around a dreamer. You know, you want to be around a person that, that's being led by the Spirit. I want to see what you do. I want to be, uh, experience that. The disciples watched what Jesus did. And then they started as he ascended back into heaven. He said, now go and do what I've done. As Chris mentioned, I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. I will be with you. My power will empower you. But you still got to do it. And you saw it modeled to you, to you. Now go and do it. Proverbs 13 verse 20 says, He who walks with wise, the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. So we, we surround ourselves with those who have influence in our life. For, you know, those who we have in our life will either affect us and influence us for the good or the bad. Right? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, it says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. If you're hanging around bad people, stop it. That's profound, I know, but <laughs> stop it. <laughs> I have learned from a lot of different people in my life um, who have walked with and have mentored me, and if I want to gain wisdom, I try to learn from godly people who have testimonies uh, of God's power in their life. Another way to attract revelation is to obey what we know. Uh, one, man, one man came to Jesus and asked him what to do to gain eternal life. And Jesus said, what does it say to do? What does it say? You, what does the word say? What does scripture say? And so, the, you know, the man pressed Jesus for more, but Jesus wouldn't give him any more information until he walked in obedience to what he was already revealed. Go and do what it said. Go obey the commandments. He wasn't going to give him any more until he started following what he already knew. See, we would just always, sometimes we want more without obeying what he has already revealed. Obedience is a signal to what God says. You know, God, I want to go to the next step. That tender heart, that spirit, uh, desire, uh, more revelation from God. But he says, now go and do what I've already revealed to you, because I can't take you to the next step until you've had that spiritual graduation, if you will. Have you ever wanted to take, skip a few steps to get to the, you know, to the top? I did. And God said, no, you need to be humble, Greg. No, you need to, you need to learn a few things, even though you don't think that you do. How do I receive revelation? Many Christians have difficulty having revelation from God. Seldom is it understood how revelation comes or to whom it comes. One of the greatest joys in life is hearing from God and growing in that relationship with him. So what godly influences or influencers do you have in your life to help you grow? And I just want to quickly go through just a, a few different bullet points is number one, as I already mentioned, remain teachable. Remain teachable speaks for itself. Um, in simplicity and humility of a child will keep your heart teachable. Jesus said this in, in Matthew 11, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden things from these wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Why? Because they're not know-it-alls. They're still eager. They're still teachable. And also what I also said, uh, obey the commands. Obey what you already know. If you love me, it says in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Jesus taught his disciples, his followers, if anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. If anyone wills, he shall know. Clarity comes to the one willing and obedient to that which, um, to the will of God. He will bring revelation to those who obey and have this surrendered heart to him. 
Another one is meditate on God's word. Again, what I'm saying, dig into the truths of God's word and chew on it. It's like, um, I used to have a high school teacher that says, stop chewing on the cut. Stop chewing. Well, that was a negative sense. Stop chewing on the cut. Stop talking so much and shut up. That's what he meant. But he was also saying, chewing on the cud is basically what it's saying, meditating on it because a cow has the, well, how many stomachs? Four stomachs, and they kind of bleh, and they regurgitate it, and they chew on it a little bit more. It sounds disgusting. But that's what we're meditating on the Word of God. We're regurgitating. We're chewing on it. And we're like, yeah. And whenever you see in Psalms, when you're reading Psalms and it says that word selah, selah, what does that mean? pause and meditate so they would sing this few words of this song and then they would stop and go that was really good you know they're just meditating on it and regurgitating upon that uh, psalm 77 says i will call to remembrance my song in the night i will meditate on it with my heart my heart makes diligent search um, it's not in the sense of meditation as in the world, worldly uh, cults of the world, of emptying your mind. Um, the Bible teaches to fill our minds with God's word, not empty your mind. Um, the word meditation is a quiet heart, a directed mind, and mulling over the word in your heart and chewing on it. Another one is pray and worship in the spirit and with understanding. Later on, again, we'll get to Chapter 14, 13 and 14 about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, I wanted to mention this one just because we can pray in our natural tongue, in our natural word. You know, if English is your natural tongue, which is most of us, but sometimes I simply lack the words to pray. There's some things in my family, some things in this world that's going on right now that I can only just say, Lord, I just pray in the Spirit. If you would like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with, with evidence of a prayer language, you can receive that if you would like to be prayed for. It's a whole new dimension in your prayer life with the Holy Spirit, just between you and, and God. You can also worship in that way. And that's what 1 Corinthians 14 says, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, and I will also sing with my understanding or my natural language. Another one, give away what you've already received. God blesses you so that you can be a blessing. He blesses you. He deposits things into wisdom and revelation so that we don't just get all puffed up, but rather, it's not just so we can feel warm fuzzies is so that we can be spilled out, we can give away what we've had. And that comes with a number of different ways. God blesses you to be a blessing with your time, your talents, your treasures. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And Acts chapter 20, verse 35 it is more blessed to give than to receive. There's such joy in giving. I love that. It doesn't mean that I only give when I have an abundance of finances, abundance of time, abundance of talents. Sometimes when I'm giving, I'm simply giving out of my need. Sometimes I don't think that I have time, and God says, yes, you do. And I give time, and I don't do it reluctantly or under compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver, right? So when God calls me to give some of my time that I didn't think I have, you know what? God will always bless that. Who always bless that. And Jill and I learned that early on in our marriage about giving to the Lord, and, and he's always taking care of us. And lastly is just ask God for more. Do you want more of God? Are you serious about growing deep with him? Are you calling to God to give you that spirit of wisdom and revelation? If, if you are, he'll answer a prayer like that. If you're asking the Lord, I want to see more of your power in my life. I want, I want to know you more and hear you more and be more obedient to your Holy Spirit and the leadings of your spirit. Then, 
then take time to go before the Lord and seek his face. Just seek after him. Ask him to fill you with his spirit and to be then used for his kingdom. Tell him you want to be the one he's, you know, that he sees when he looks for the yielded ones. I'm looking for people that are yielded to me so that I can use them. Then believe he is willing to use you and let him, his grace fall upon you so that you can reveal his glory through you. If there is a specific anointing or a special gift you desire from the Lord, be bold. Tell him you want more. You would love that. I would love that. I'd love to be able to pray for the sick and, and receive that gift of healing as I pray. It's not, you know, there, I believe there's a special anointing for certain people. I do. But anyone can pray for anybody. And you never know until you try. Right? Pray and ask for more because he is a loving father that loves to give good gifts to his children. The one thing that often stands in the way is uh, our own failure to ask or unbelief. So ask. Let's in closing, let's just pray this and you can pray this prayer with me if you'd like. Say, Lord, I ask you to give me the insight and the impartation of wisdom and revelation I need this in my life right now. Today I ask you to fill me with that Holy Spirit. Take away that veil from my life. From my natural understanding. That obscures my view. I ask you that you will open my eyes. To see exactly what I need to know. I ask you to give me revelation about my life, about my situation, and about the truth I need to know. I ask you to baptize me or fill me again with your Holy Spirit. Give me your spirit of wisdom and revelation and power to know you more and to glorify you through my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey guys, Billy here. I'm the media director here at Polson Foursquare, and I'm glad that you guys could join us this morning. If you guys are looking for more information, you guys can go to polsonfoursquare.org. And if you guys enjoyed the sermon, consider subscribing or sharing it with a friend. Thanks for joining us this morning, and we hope that you have a blessed week.